Welcome to Don't Read Drunk, a podcast about books and booze. I'm Jenny, and I'll be your host. Hi, welcome back. Today we're talking about A Long Way Gone, Memoirs of a Boy Soldier by Ishmael Bea. What a heavy book. Wow. (laughs) So trigger warning on this book and episode, there is violence, violence against children, rape, and drug use. I'm not going to go into too much depth on any of these, but they're all discussed. So if you have any issues hearing about any of these things, consider this your trigger warning. I've been staying busy and I was trying to read some lighter books to help keep me positive, but I've been wanting to read this one and it was calling to me. So I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but I hope everyone's been able to stay cool in this heat. I know it's not just the Midwest being hit with this insane heat bubble. I just turned on my AC yesterday. The basement stays pretty cool, but the temperatures have been consistently high enough that it's getting warm even down there. And I've got a dehumidifier too, but man, it is hot. And I know it's even worse in other parts of the country. So hope everybody's staying cool. I've still been getting outside as much as I can though. The mornings are like perfect. It's been beautiful and the weather is really beautiful in the morning. I was walking around downtown this weekend with a friend and as nice as it was to enjoy the weather and the water, it got a little warm. So we hopped into this bar that was on the river and had a beer and I didn't realize how warm I was until I had some of that cold beer, summer shandy to be specific. So no updates on my plans to drink a beer with some authors. My actual pain job has been super busy and I've been keeping myself busy around the house and with networking events too. In fact, I was at a networking event this evening and so I'm recording much later than I usually would. It's going to be a long day tomorrow. It's been a long day today and it's going to be a long day tomorrow too. So As far as for the booze this week, uh, this was just really tough to come up with a pairing and just nothing really felt right for this. So I decided to skip the booze this week. You know, that's not usually a normal thing for me, but just there wasn't anything that really truly paired and matched with this. I actually tried to find a beer that maybe donated to a great charity or something along those lines, but I really couldn't find anything that, that fit specifically. So I just felt like, you know what, we're going to skip it for this week. We talk about plenty of booze. We'll talk about maybe two beers next week or two (laughs) wines next week just to make up for it. But the heaviness and the weight of this one just didn't match what I was looking for for a booze. So let's go right into the author, Ishmael Bea, who is originally from Sierra Leone, which is what his memoir is based off of his time in the war-torn country. Bea is a human rights activist and author. He's written not only the memoir that we're talking about today, but two novels as well, Radiance of Tomorrow and Little Family. This is from his website. Ishmael Bea, born in Sierra Leone, West Africa, is the New York Times bestselling author of A Long Way Gone, Memoirs of a Boy Soldier, and Radiance of Tomorrow, a novel. His newest work, Little Family, a novel, is profound and tender portrayal of the connections we forge to survive the fate we're dealt. Little Family marks the further blossoming of a unique global voice. 
He's also UNICEF's first advocate for children affected by war. He's based in Los Angeles, California with his wife, Priscilla, and his children. Also on the UNICEF website, there is a really good article about Bea, and there is a link in the show notes for that article if you want to check it out. There is another good article on CNN about him and about his life. That link is in the show notes as well, just based on kind of what he experienced and what he went through and then him sharing the experience. There's a lot of information out there about him and it's all really good. I didn't want to kind of compact that into the information about the author, but it's, it's just really good. It's really interesting to hear how he tells his story too. So definitely check some of those out. On Wikipedia, there is a note about controversy. And honestly, I think controversy is a little too strong of a word. There's just some question around the dates that Bea remembers versus how others are saying things happened. And it doesn't sound like there's a question of if it happened or not, more so just the dates of when something did happen. Of course, we've discussed how people's memories aren't always the best source of fact. And even though Bea is firm in his conviction that things happened in the time frame that he wrote, I'm still not 100% sure. And honestly, to me, it's not a sticking point. What I am confident of is that Bea did the best he could to recount the things as he remembers them. Do I think his memoir is 100% accurate? No. Again, memory is such a tricky thing. And I don't hold it against anyone who writes a memoir that their memories might not be totally accurate. I mean, it's one thing if you're going around accusing people of horrible things with no proof. But what happened to these young boys in Sierra Leone is well documented. So if things happened a little differently, then I'm not going to get hung up on that. What matters is that this is their story. This is how they remember it. And this is what their feeling happened to them. So I, I totally support that. And that really doesn't impact me too much. But something I wanted to talk about. Getting right into the book, so it's exactly what the title says. It's a memoir of a young man who was a boy soldier. The story follows 12-year-old Ishmael Bea and his friends who go to a nearby village to perform in a talent show, and their world is torn apart as the rebels attack their village, and then beginning they begin attacking villages nearby. Bea shares this horrific journey he faces as a young boy on the run to find his family and to keep himself alive. As with some of the other nonfiction books we've talked about, what follows is pretty much all spoilers. I think there's still real value in reading the book since I'm not covering everything in like a 20-30 minute podcast. And there's going to be things that I'm going to discuss that you'll read in the book, but I can't cover everything. So keep that in mind. Just the first line in the book to me is so chilling and I got goosebumps. So quote from the book, even living in Sierra Leone, the war seemed far away. And this is so sad thinking of what Bea will come to face. If you have any knowledge of the war in Sierra Leone without even reading the book, it's such a heartbreaking statement. Just that first line. It's also, I think, a commentary on life in general. War is so devastating, and it's easy to forget about when it's not happening to you or the people that you love. I mean, the war in Ukraine is continuing on. There's so much pain and suffering that's happening there, but so much of that now has been overshadowed for us. I know for Americans, myself included, the price of gas and inflation is something that's a daily stressor. It's not something that we wake up and think of what's happening in Ukraine, yet the Ukrainian people are suffering so greatly. It's just 
I think a real heartbreaking thing to to realize that, you know, even though he was living in Sierra Leone, the war felt that much far away, that much further away. And Sierra Leone is not a huge country. I mean, it's not like, again, it's not even like the distance from the United States to the Ukraine. It's much closer than that. And to him, it seemed so far away. And it's horrible. People are still suffering. And there are Americans who've been captured by Russia who may be executed. So people by nature are self-absorbed. And we need to fight against our own nature to educate ourselves on what life is like for others. And not only acknowledge that, but work to do something about that and make a better life for not just ourselves, but the people around us and the people that are in other countries as well. So I'm really interested in memoirs. And this one was really impactful. I will say, though, it is extremely heavy. There's a lot of triggers that happen throughout basically the entire course of the book. And I can understand that it's not for everyone. I'm a sensitive and empathetic person, and this absolutely ripped my heart out. I could imagine being in Bea's place and seeing what he saw. It would not be easy to face something like this, but I think it's important to recognize. And I cried multiple times when Bea described times when he watched whole families being gunned down by rebels. In the book, he questions, this is a quote, what kind of liberation movement shoots innocent civilians and children? And this is a question that even a 12-year-old boy is asking because he doesn't understand. It's such a heartbreaking juxtaposition in the beginning when Bea describes his childhood and how important rap music was to him and his friends. He beautifully describes their youthful innocence and naivety as they plan for this talent show. They go to a street vendor and they buy boiled ground nuts and share them. The writing is so incredibly vivid and descriptive, yet it reads so smoothly. I could easily envision what the village was like that he was in and the scenes around him. And I'm not really sure how to describe this, but it's so odd that this horrific book and this horrible story is still written so beautifully and so poetically. I'm going to say heartbreaking and horrific and synonyms of both those words probably numerous times, but even those words can't capture how tragic all of these events truly were and truly are, which is why I think it's important to read this book. And while there are spoilers and while I'm talking about it, there's no way that I can do this justice and and talk about how incredible this book really is. Even with my intense empathy, I can't even thoroughly imagine how Bea must have suffered, his innocence lost in an instant, and how broken his mind must have been. In the beginning of his tragedy, he was at least with his brother and a few friends, though this was little comfort as they continued to witness the violence, and then they did eventually split up. Throughout the book, Bea is part of different groups and meets different people. In the context, it's hard to fault people who didn't lend their assistance to Bea and his companions, but it's so beautiful when there are people who open their hearts and their homes to pr- provide food and shelter. Because after all, these were just children, the young boys who had lost their families and had lost their way and who had nothing but each other. And again, it's understandable that People didn't want to lend their assistance and had fear seeing these young men. But again, 
these young men were just children. So when he talks about those helping them, it's it's truly beautiful. And I believe that the kindness of people lives on long after they do. Well, in this case, they're immortalized in a memoir. I believe that kindness lives on in the heart of others. After the first attack, Bea returns to the village his grandmother lives in. The village has been abandoned. And to an adult, this would be so traumatizing. I mean, completely abandoned. And we're reminded that Bea was just 12 years old when his journey began in this in this story, this memoir. Even his older brother and his friends were still just children. And Bea is plagued by nightmares of what he has seen, which is unsurprising. At one point, he says he lives in three worlds, his dreams, the past, and the present. And for someone like him, this isn't just getting over being like bullied as a child. This is life altering horror that again, even someone with my empathy, I just cannot fathom how tragic and how awful this must have been for him. At one point he's on his own and starving. Not only is he dealing with intense loneliness, but fear and near starvation. Honestly, I'm surprised he even survived. Bea said he survived because something his father used to say to him, quote, If you are alive, there is hope for a better day and something good to happen. If there is nothing good left in the destiny of a person, he or she will die. His father is saying that if you're alive, there's a reason you're still alive and something good is going to happen and you just have to keep moving forward for that good to happen. So all he could do was move forward. The lieutenants and corporals are all doing drugs to forget and for the energy and feeding kids these drugs so they aren't afraid of death and they have more energy. He says they smoked pot, snorted cocaine, took white pills. (laughs) I am such a dumbass (laughs) because this is the kind of experience that I have and what the drug scene and how naive I am about it. I'm like, oh, I wonder if the white pills were caffeine pills. And then I immediately was like, okay, that's really stupid because it definitely was not just caffeine pills which makes me think about Saved by the Bell when I think it was Jesse gets addicted to caffeine pills. But that's just me. I was I grew up a little sheltered and a little innocent. And so, yeah, that's kind of how naive I was. And just that that was my first thought. And obviously kind of a, a dumb thought. I personally cannot imagine doing the things that Bea did as a soldier. But I also didn't see firsthand the things that he did and have to do the things he did to survive. It's really only when he gets injured badly enough that he goes to a rehabilitation center when he's taken away from his life as a soldier. I cried again when his uncle is found and they're united. Even though they had never met before, Bea has a family again, and there's that feeling of hope once again. He's told that he'll return to normal society, and I feel every ounce of anxiety that he felt right alongside of him. How do you find a normal again after everything that he went through? Bea says, though, he believes that every child can recover from their suffering if given the chance. I think that's a really optimistic outlook, and I would like to think that every child deserves that chance. But I do wonder if some are maybe past that point of no return. Bea is lucky that he finds his way and is able to transition to what seems to be a wonderful life. I worry about the ghosts that still haunt him and my heart aches after reading that he 
what he just went through and knowing that his story isn't uncommon for children of war and not just in Sierra Leone, not just the time that he was a soldier, but the things that he saw when he was running and trying to survive. The book is a journey from innocence to violence and then recovery. It's a book that took a piece of me with it, and it also leaves a permanent mark. For me, the best books are the ones that both empty you and fill you, and this book has done exactly that. I want to follow up as well, because I need to know what happened after he got to Conquery. I was talking about Alyssa Wall last week. Another great book about the FLDS Church is Carolyn Jessup's book, Escape, and she also wrote a follow-up called Triumph which isn't as interesting as Escape was, but it was a nice follow-up and it was a nice nice second book to see that she had a life after that and what happened in her life after she did escape and become a part of regular society. And I'd love to see a follow-up for Bea, but I can certainly understand if he doesn't want to revisit again. And maybe, you know, considering publishing, they might not have thought that it would sell as well because I can see where this would be definitely a, a better seller. And it wasn't salacious at all either. It it was just an incredibly sad and heartbreaking story. Do you appreciate the chronology in the back of the book about Sierra Leone history? There are also a lot of really interesting videos on YouTube with Bea talking about his experience. There's one with Katie Kirk that talks about Charles Taylor, um, who was prosecuted and from fifth, this is from 15 years ago when prosecutors finally made recruiting children under 15 in order to fight a war crime. How sick is that? And that was 15 years ago in 2007. So it's under 15, but apparently 16 and 17 year olds are still okay to recruit to fight in war. And I will not get on my soapbox about this again, but my question remains what is war good for? There really has to be a better way. I give this a 5 out of 5. Goodreads gives it a 4.14. Other reviewers said, this is paraphrasing, I'd give them a 5 stars for courage and bravery. Flaws were lack in detail in the lead up to his kidnapping, which I disagree. I thought this was beautifully fleshed out, really vivid, really just brings you right there and you feel the emotion right alongside of him. At least I did. Time spent in the army was too short. And I disagree with that too, because it wasn't just about his time in the army. It's about his memoirs overall, not just while he was in the army and how much, I'm sorry, how much killing, raping and murder do you want to hear about? ended too abruptly, which I can kind of see this and I kind of do agree with it. Again, I would like to see that second follow-up story. Someone else said important book, but not an easy one to read. Totally agree with that. Someone said one star because it's too vivid, violent, and disturbing. And I think that's interesting because they gave it one star, but that's kind of, I think, the point of the book. And it's very vivid. It's very violent. And it is disturbing. And that's, I think, what makes it such an important book. Recommended for anyone who wants to broaden their cultural horizons. Someone said, struggled to empathize for the first half of the book because it's too far removed. And I thought this was an interesting review. 
And interesting that it was rated that way because the reader struggled to empathize. And I'm not judging that they struggled to empathize. I realize people are on varying scales of how they feel empathy for others. And I know that I'm on the extreme end of empathy for others. But I think this is why it's so important to read books like this and expand our horizons. And I think, again, it's interesting that they didn't rate it highly because they struggled to empathize. I feel like that's more of a, a personal emotion and an and emotional process versus a problem with the book, per se. I do recommend this one, though I can understand avoiding it if any of the previously mentioned things trigger you. Media recommendations this week. So Jurassic World Dominion, it's out in theaters now. And I only went to see this because the boy wanted to. I'm not current with the Jurassic Park franchise. I think I watched Jurassic World when it first came out, but to me, the original is the best. So I kind of came in with no expectations, but I was pleasantly surprised. I am sick of Hollywood not coming up with anything new and just leaning on money-making franchises, which is exactly what this is. But I will say that I did like this. They brought back the OGs. (laughs) And I felt a little thrill when Laura Dern, Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum, and B.D. Wong all showed up on screen. And even though I am suckered into this and I know this is what big Hollywood was hoping for, I enjoyed it. It wasn't as good as the original, but I would say it's probably my second favorite in the whole franchise. Also, a documentary called Murder on Middle Beach, which is on HBO Max. This is an incredible documentary done by Madison Hamburg, a young film student who started this as a project to look into the murder of his mother. It is heart-wrenching to see this documentarian look into things that are so personal. He interviews family and friends, and it often results in tears on both sides and them holding hands as the camera continues to roll. It sounds salacious, but it's not. It's really beautifully done. Madison investigates multiple theories, even the ones that are hard for him. And I don't want to give too much away, but it's one of the best documentaries I've seen in a long time. It really humanizes what true crime is and dives into how it impacts families and has long-lasting effects. Go watch it. Sign up for the free seven-day trial if you have to, but just go watch this. (laughs) Also, True Crime Campfire Podcast. So Whitney and Katie are my new favorite hosts, and they just may be my favorite hosts of all the true true crime podcasts I've listened to. I like the format. And they just seem like relatable down-to-earth women who I would totally be friends with and would love to sit around their true crime campfire. I did check it out on Reddit, and there don't seem to be any issues or controversies that have come up. Sometimes I've recommended things only to find out later there have been concerns, but all is good here, so check them out. Thanks so much for listening. You can find me on Instagram at Don't Read Drunk. You can email me don'treaddrunk at gmail.com. My website is don'treaddrunk.buzzsprout.com. None of the don'ts have an apostrophe in that. This is a hobby podcast. So if you'd like to help support it so it continues, please give me a one-time donation on PayPal using my email, don'treaddrunk at gmail.com. You can also support this podcast by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash don'treaddrunk. That is also in my show notes. 
thank you so much to my sponsors, Aaron Ruiz at One Up Till Sunup, who created the music. You can find Aaron and One Up Till Sunup on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Also, Avenue Coffee House, who keeps me going daily with great conversation and my favorite China breakfast tea. You can find them on Facebook and their website at avenue-coffeehouse.com. Also, check out the newly opened Supernova located downtown and the amazing homemade donuts. Next episode is going to be a surprise because I don't even know what book I'm reading. So (laughs) keep an eye on Instagram to see what we'll be talking about next week. Bye and talk to you soon. 